What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Tech in Shanghai podcast. This week on the show, we are joined by Sam Huang, CEO and founder of New Pathway Education, which is now part of the EIC Education Group. Sam is a Korean American and represents a great example of a foreign entrepreneur living the quote-unquote Chinese dream. However, prior to his success, Sam encountered many of the same issues that confront so many who take the leap into entrepreneurship, especially in a foreign country. In this show, we discuss how to deal with negative and discouraging feedback from friends and family, and listen to that gut feeling that just tells you to go for it. Sam also shares with us some practical tips based on his own experience on how to overcome the many challenges that await foreign entrepreneurs in China. And finally, we discuss the mentality of success and how, rather than wanting to sail off into the sunset, the truly great entrepreneurs, Sam included, are inspired by their success and want to use their experiences. Network and capital to push forward into ever bigger challenges. If you're considering entrepreneurship and just need a little inspiration for that extra push, or if you are currently an entrepreneur and looking for some helpful hints, then look no further than this episode. And if you like the show, it would be awesome for you to give us a review on iTunes. That's it, and enjoy. Welcome to the Tech in Shanghai podcast, the Pearl of the Orient. Shanghai is the city of the future. All systems go full steam ahead. It never stops. Technology, innovation, ambition—it's everywhere. Join us as we explore this new world and talk to the people making it happen. The Tech in Shanghai podcast—the future is now. All right, Sam. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, thanks for inviting me. So I've done a little bit of research on New Pathway prior to to interviewing、okay. interviewing you today, of course, and、uh, it's a really interesting story.、Mm. And I think one of the things that stood out to me was how fast、uh, it's come along from、mm. inception to now being invested by a major educational group.、Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could just get us kicked off by giving us a little history about New Pathway and then lead us up to where we are now. Sure. So in December of 2009, I founded the company as a test prep institution. At that time, a completely offline business, and、um, focused on SAT preparation specifically for、uh, Chinese students who wanted to go abroad to the United States. And、uh, initially, I sort of targeted the international school community just because it was sort of the easiest one to sort of target.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Given my background,、mm-hmm. um, then after that, basically the first I would say two years were very tough. You know, 2010, 2011. It, it、uh, the company grew, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't like、uh, it was going anywhere really great. It, you, the, the, it wasn't sure where you were going to end exactly, up.、Right? Exactly, exactly. The foregone conclusion. That's right.、Yeah. And then、um, you know what's what's interesting is along the way there are a couple times where you know the education industry is very much.、Uh, Regulated in China, like a、mm-hmm. lot of other industries. So,、mm-hmm. um, I had to borrow a license from like a local Chinese person, and a couple times I had to switch to another license because the person that was lending me the license tried to essentially steal the company from me.、Uh, Shocking!、That's、so so <laughs> uncommon to、That's、hear those right, sort right. of stories.、Uh, but but what really kind of changed everything was、um, in 2012. In June of 2012, I actually got a phone call. Um, asking for a meeting,、um, and the lady actually said、uh, she was a parent of one of my students,、um, and said she wanted to meet about、uh, her daughter's progress. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So at night, I went over 
to the Hilton Hotel um, in uh, Minhang and basically uh, met up with her. And then there was another lady there in the lobby. So we started to talk and I realized that um, they were actually not there to talk about the daughter, uh, but there to um, represent a group of investors, actually. And uh, those investors ended up you know, I found out them to be uh, very, very influential, powerful people in China. Um, so the group is consists of uh, Sina.com, chairman of Sina.com, mm -hmm. Charles Chow. His wife was the one who was there. And then um, another lady who's a uh, managing director of Julius Baer, like a private wealth management uh -huh. company. And then they represented two other investors, uh, Fosun Group, mm -hmm. Fuxing Jituan, which is one of the largest private equity companies in China, and then chairman of eHouse, which is another publicly listed company um, that does real estate. So these four are friends. And then what the lady told me was they, as a group, invest in industries and companies that they feel like uh, are you know moving in the right direction so like a little private angel group or exactly like exactly yeah, yeah. and and they do a lot of these types of investments so what what the lady told me was it was very interesting we sat down and she's like well we've decided we wanted to invest in education specifically overseas education to the united states more for um interest of our kids you know we want to get our we have a bunch of young kids and we want to get them into top schools overseas uh, but we also see a trend as a you know, very good investment. So uh, we can promise you this, all of the difficulties you've had with the government, with funding, anything, we will take care of everything. We will fund you. We will make you successful and rich. Uh, you just have to run the company well. Right. And, you know, I, I honestly thought it was kind of a joke, right. you know, I, or I didn't really know the seriousness of the situation and, and you were going to this meeting thinking it was like a standard yeah. meet and greet with a parent <laughs> that's like right, okay that's shake right. hands let's get the the, the 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 kid in the program and correct right wow so and, and so then they um you know i, I had another investor uh, that was interested at the time of a small venture capital fund but then you know i after kind of looking through everything um, and going through um, sort of the negotiation, I found that this was clearly a better yeah. choice. Hard however, no yeah. However, um, you know, I felt that um, it was a little bit risky because they were so powerful mm. that I didn't want to be in a sort of a too much of weak position. So mm. I ended up bringing on a fifth investor that I knew personally, uh, Chengwei Capital, which mm. is a venture capital fund based here in Shanghai, and they came in as sort of like a a proxy for me uh, and to sort of balance out the power a little bit. Right. Um, so each of them, uh, they invested about 3 million RMB each. Mm -hmm. uh, so 15 million RMB um, total. And um, yeah, took uh, and basically yeah, uh, came in as investors right. around like October of uh, 2012. 2012. Yeah. So was that your kind of series, series A? Series A, yeah. Right. yeah. So just uh, before we move on from that, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. So you 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 started this this startup effectively by yourself or yes by myself yeah. yeah so what was the because I'm I'm just wondering why a group of such powerful mm. uh, investors and influential people mm. would have like you know you have popped up on their radar and yeah. they would come and and determine that they want to meet you and in a very short amount of time be like well we want to invest sure because of course we talk with a lot of other entrepreneurs and mm. they have to hit the Series A or even the, the seed capital circuit and try to raise money yeah. so. What what was New Pathway doing mm -hmm. at that time specifically? And then sure. we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah, I think there's uh, three things uh, specifically. So the first one is, um, you know, what, whatever industry you're in or whatever you're doing, you got to be the best, right? Mm -hmm. So hard to say that we were the best at scale because we were such a small company at the time. But in terms of results, 
specifically for SAT. I'll give you an example. In two, uh, you know, be, prior to starting the company, I actually did part-time tutoring in the United States mm-hmm. while I was working as a patent agent, and um, you know, kind of developed my own curriculum and, and methodology of how to get students to improve their score. Mm-hmm. So in 2011. January, so 2010, December, uh, there was a three-week intensive class, and basically um, out of uh, 25 students, uh, three of them got a perfect score on the SAT, like a 2400, which... Which is um, rare, I It's just very rare. Yeah. It's about 300 students a year in the whole world that get a perfect score, so that was a... Uh, that sort of... Uh, after that, I ended up getting a lot of calls, actually. So, yeah. so that was uh, one thing, the results... I think the second thing was, um, you know, there's not a lot of startups here uh, in the education sector that are started by overseas sort of background. Like, you know, I, I don't want to say just foreign, but but someone who uh, has the actual experience right. having gone through the entire United States education system. Mm-hmm. Most of the big education companies here are founded by local Chinese who sometimes have never gone abroad right. or who don't even speak English very well, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so that's the second thing. I think confidence was what, what they sort of saw. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the third thing was sort of, a, um, I would say, a very clear path. You know, I had already come up with a clear plan of how to make my company technology-enabled and what to actually develop uh, and then ways to kind of expand I just didn't have the you know the licensing mm-hmm. and then the necessary capital to right. do so, yeah. and so I think those three things are already in place. Wow, yeah, it's, it's such a not maybe not totally unusual, but mm-hmm. it's, it certainly seems like uh, it was kind of fortuitous. It was like it was not not lucky because yeah, I know yeah. you put a lot of hard work <laughs> in, but just to have these great investors show up on your Correct. doorstep. Right. Yeah. Did you do like a happy dance after they left the meeting that uh, day, or were you just like, well, what the hell just happened? Or? I mean, I definitely felt it, it sort of caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting sure. that going into the meeting. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, at, at the same time, like I said, I, I was, because the first couple of years I had run into so many bad situations, mm-hmm. uh, especially around like uh, people who uh, sort of felt like they had more influence or power over me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I was still quite careful in terms of yeah, yeah, how, how to move forward. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I guess it turned out that they were yeah, solid it, partners and solid right. investors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Yeah. So then that's in 2012. I know we're short on time today, so mm-hmm. I'll kind of move through it quickly. But w- was it last year or the year before that yeah, so EIC came on? And That's right. So um, New Pathway was acquired by EIC Education, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually majority owned by CVC Capital, mm-hmm. um, in December of 2014. So okay. about eight months ago. Right. And how did that come about? Yeah, so um, this was this is a quite an interesting story. So prior to that, um, you know, from 2012 on, it was amazing. Basically, the company just went on uh, like rocket burners and, and just took off. So as promised, you know, a license that I could never actually get as a foreigner and even as a local Chinese without the right background mm-hmm. in the education sector you couldn't get these uh, the education license training license anymore so within six months they were able to get the license which was uh, astronomical uh-huh. and then able to help me find some local management with education experience and operational experience to come and help me so the company from 2012 uh, to 2013 and 2013 to 2014 grew about 170 uh, percent year over year uh-huh. uh, you know wow. phenomenal growth um, and uh, what happened was in 2014, very early on, 
um, it's it's an interesting kind of. There's a guy who I had met very early in my uh, journey here, uh, named Peter Wynn. Mm -hmm. uh, he used to run English First EF Education sure. here, yeah. and um, he, him, and I just kind of met through his personal friends, and then and then got to know each other on a personal basis. And he was asked to join the board of EIC Education. And then, um, you know, they were specifically looking for a company to help them with their tech strategy and then with their test prep uh, and high-end sort of counseling. Mm -hmm. So when, as they were looking around and they met with a dozen companies, um, you know, in Hong Kong, Beijing, Shanghai, uh, you know, and around, and uh, they sort of uh, came and talked to me about early 2014. I think this was in February. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, you know, I didn't really think much of it at the time because I wasn't really interested in selling the company. Right. Uh, but what it ended up becoming was not just selling the company, but a chance to join a much bigger platform and then take what we had, you know, some of the core things that we had in terms of our products on the test prep side, the high-end counseling and the technology, and to really scale it very right. quickly. Right. Um, and so, you know, we came to... Uh, an agreement maybe by September. Mm -hmm. And then finally, it took me a while to convince my old investors actually, because uh, for them, funny enough, I know this sounds very funny, but uh, money wasn't their mo main motivation to invest. Mm -hmm. So at this juncture, they sort of uh, were paid out and probably they made about six times return in two years. But mm -hmm. uh, to be very frank, they weren't very happy because they this was not an investment they wanted to sell mm -hmm. uh, in such a short period mm -hmm. um, but the way that the capital structure worked because cvc was a majority shareholder they didn't want any other financial investors along so we ended up paying them off and then uh kind of i rolled the company into um you know into eic right yeah so were they just because you, as you said it mm. is a bit unusual yeah for for investors to to shun an exit, especially when it's fairly decent exit six mm -hmm. times in two years. Yeah. I mean, that's relatively uncommon, especially in that short period of time. Yeah. Um, what were their main aspirations yeah. for New Pathway? So, so uh, and so this is, you know, I find it very interesting. Um, you know, the four of them that came together, two of them are uh, billionaires, like U.S. dollar billionaires, uh -huh. and then two of the other ones are like, you know, worth hundreds of millions. So yeah. although... This was uh, several million dollars for them. It's drop very, the very, yeah, drop in the bucket. Yeah. It's like less than 0.1% of their worth. So they really, really was not about money. I think for them, this was much more about uh, a social platform. You know, for example, um, a lot of these, like, I mean, you know now, a lot of the powerful and rich people here in China now want to leave or they want their kids to leave China for mm -hmm. a better education. And specifically, a lot of them want to go to the United States. Right. So they wanted to use this sort of as a platform to introduce their friends and, mm -hmm. and whoever else uh, to it. And, and that's also how it helped me a lot to grow. Right. Because we, we had, I mean, you know, we had some of the you know, I mean, name all the big companies in China. Their executives' kids were our students, right? Right. right. Uh, Baidu, Alibaba, like it, basically everyone, Tencent, yeah. right? Um, so, uh, I, I think for them, it was much more of a social I sort of it. network type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Which, even though money kind of is king in China, that mm. is also very common. Mm. Where where that kind of social notoriety and influence is coveted as well. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so that. So that. We're brought up to speed now on, on that story. But you mentioned, I mean, obviously, Guanxi is, is what we call that kind of golden handshake in China. And I think maybe 
it does sometimes get overblown because realistically, anywhere you operate in the world, it always behooves oneself to have good connections with people that can influence certain things that mm. you know have an effect on your business, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in China, I think just given at least the legacy of kind of the structure of the government here, it really behooved oneself to yes. have those kind of connections, Definitely. right? And I was going to ask you, do you, you know, because you mentioned prior to meeting this investor group, you had struggled a lot with a lot of things. And then after you met them, you know, it was kind of like green light. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer that situation or would you prefer just to know the regulatory landscape that you're mm-hmm. in and then know what boxes you have to tick? You know, kind of like in the U.S., I yeah. guess, where like it's open to anybody as long as you meet X, Y, Z yeah, criteria. Yeah. Which, which one well, would you prefer? That's an excellent question. And I think, you know, outright, obviously, um, you know, I would prefer the latter. Right. You know, I, I think that's the preferred method. But, you know, the big lesson that I learned uh, doing business here in China is that that latter method actually doesn't work in certain industries, mm-hmm. you know, and especially in the industries that are heavily regulated by the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the financial sector is one. Uh, then you've got, you know, like uh, healthcare, you know, and education are very much regulated by the government to a point where, uh, and, and if you look around, you can really see there really aren't any foreign companies uh, that have set up in those areas that have become very big. With that, e- either they're joint ventures with the local Chinese company or they've acquired local Chinese companies mm-hmm. or invested as a majority shareholder of a, a local Chinese company. Right. And it has a lot to do with the fact that, I mean, the, I can tell you even for my business, even though I was the legal a representative of the Wolfie, the uh, wholly owned foreign enterprise, the local Chinese company that held the education license uh, could never be in a foreigner's name. Right. Yeah. So there was a contractual relationship we had to set up there. Yeah. yeah. And is that changing at all? Because there seems mm. to be, I mean, it seems to be getting easier for foreigners to set up and operate businesses in China. And obviously with, you know, kind of the shuffle around in the government and things, you know, there's mm. kind of a crackdown on the whole, you know, quote unquote corruption or whatever mm-hmm, you want mm-hmm, to call it. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's, it's getting easier now? Like if new pathway had started this year, things would have been a little bit different or do you think it's still, you know, uh, tough? well, so I would say this, there's, um, uh, a lot of businesses here in the education sector and even in other industries that the government doesn't really uh, regulate just because the so- scale of business is too small. Mm-hmm. So what I'd say is if you want to operate as a mom and pop shop or a small operation like one or two centers in one city, then you don't really need to go through the trouble or hassle of finding a local partner or, or getting all of the boxes ticked for the local regulations. There's ways to get around it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do want to be a business at scale, and grow and be into multiple cities, multiple locations, then there's no way around it. Right. Um, and, and I think that's how the government and that's how China sort of protects itself. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to have some contacts, some relationship yes, somewhere. Yes. Right. So how old are you now? Sam? I'm 32. 32. So you started New Pathway when you 26. were what? 26. So a lot of the listeners of this program are, are young, mm. either entrepreneurs or looking to become entrepreneurs. Um, and I want maybe, maybe you can give them some insight. I mean, you're, you're from South Korea originally, right? Yes. Educated in the States. Mm-hmm. Can you just shed some light on to one, why you came to China mm-hmm. to engage in this business? And then two, what are some of like the, the obstacles that you had to overcome to be a successful entrepreneur in China, sure. a non-Chinese entrepreneur? Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as I was growing up in the U.S., never in my wildest dreams did I think I would ever end up uh, in Asia, let alone China. Uh-huh. It was like the last thing on my mind. Um, but 
in 2008. Uh, so my girlfriend at the time, who then um, when we moved here in China in 2009 was my fiance and then now uh, is my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, she actually brought me to Taiwan. She's Taiwanese and brought me to Taiwan for the first time. Uh, then my parents-in-law um, actually brought me to Shanghai and then took me to Beijing. And then they're the ones who said, Sam, uh, look around. You know, this is the future. And, you know, I, I, I still remember very clearly at the time, I was like, uh, thanks for bringing me, but I have no interest <laughs> in moving here. Yeah. And I think they had sort of two in, in reasons or interests for bringing me and showing me China. One, which was uh, my father-in-law, you know, he runs his own hospital, like a small clinic in, in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. He's a doctor, ophthalmologist, and he has sort of a regret because, you know, he kept saying for the past 20 years, he wishes he had expanded to China because then his business would be much larger. Mm -hmm. And then two, I think, was um, uh, selfishly, they wanted their daughter back to close, Asia. Right? Right? Yeah. Um, so, so those two reasons were the main motivators. But anyway, I didn't think much of it, went back to the States. Uh, then, like, um, you know, uh, this kind of feeling kind of kept gnawing at the back of my mind where I, at the time when I went back, I was, I was still 25. And, you know, I had talked to my parents at length about what I'm going to do in the future. Um, I did, I studied uh, mechanical engineering and material science for my undergrad and graduate school. And then uh, my father is, who is a very traditional immigrant Korean-American, you know, like very much like other Korean-American fathers, uh -huh. wanted me to go into becoming a doctor or a lawyer. Right. And pretty much th those were the options. Every time my, you know, my dad would be like, hey, what do you want to do with your future? I'd, you know, I'm still thinking about it. And he'd be like, how about a doctor? How about a lawyer? Uh, and that you was... anything you want, yeah. as long as it's a doctor it's or a lawyer. <laughs> That's right. So, um, you know, but, but what really I think influenced me was that while I was at MIT, there was a lot of entrepreneurial activity and, and competitions and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it was, kind of opened up my eyes to that world for the first time. So, you know, in the back of my mind and in my heart, I always knew I wanted to do my run my own business, mm -hmm. but I just didn't know what or when or where. Right. Yeah. So then uh, I went back 2008 and then um, as a good uh, son is supposed to do, I actually took my LSAT and then uh, applied to law school. Uh -huh. um, I was still working as a patent agent, like a technology specialist at a, a big intellectual law, property law firm in Boston. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, basically, you know, I applied, I got into some schools, um, and then I sort of started to really think about, you know, 10 years down the road and 20 years down the road, do I want to be like the partners in my law firm? And uh, the you, you look over to your right, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and it just, to be very frank, it just didn't seem like something, you know, uh, that I was, I would be very passionate about. Yeah. It'd be something that guaranteed in my father's eyes a certain level of success as right. an immigrant. Yeah. So then I went to my parents, uh, my parents live in Georgia, so I went, visited them in Atlanta and I, I asked my dad, I was like, hey, uh, what do you think about doing business in China? You know, and he's like, okay. So, what do you want to do? He's like, I I'm not sure yet, uh, but um, you know, what do you think? And he's like, definitely not. You know, he said, if you go to China, uh, you know, you can forget uh, being my son. You know? <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> uh, pretty, yeah, pretty much uh, like that. And, and he said, you you have no money, uh, you have no connections, you don't even speak the language, you're not gonna make it. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, pretty much kind of shut it down at that. Then I went to my mom and um, spoke to her about you know, uh, potentially going over to China. And she's like, well, 
I understand you have personal reasons for wanting to be there potentially, uh, but also thinking about professionally, she was like, I don't know much about things there, but I do know that you know you've always worked very hard, and uh, you know I do feel that you have, um, you know, you have a pretty good background. So uh, if there's ever a time in your life, this will kind of be it. Uh, and then after you actually go there, if things don't work out, you can always go back to law school. But once you go to law school, that's it. You're not. You're never gonna leave, right? See, so. that's the sensible motherly touch. <laughs> you know, your dad, your fathers are just like, don't be an idiot. Yeah, Do this. Yeah. It's a safe option. You'll you'll have all X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah. And mothers are more like, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're young. You can screw up a bit and still yeah, be yeah, okay. Yeah. I trust you. I support you. You're yeah. a hard worker. Yeah. That's what you want to hear, right? That's right. That's right. And and. To, uh, I, I think my mom, uh, having having said that, saying uh, you know I support you and I trust that you'll figure it out one way or another. It's huge, right? That was everything yeah. that I needed, right? So yeah. so then I, I went back and and uh, you know made the decision. I made a couple calls to two of my uh, very good friends actually, and um, you know one of them was like. Uh, he he got very angry. He's like, "What the hell?" Are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other one was uh, more like, "Well, I mean, again, uh, you should give it a shot and yeah. see how it works." So uh, it's yeah. it's funny if we can just delve into that for a sec because mm. I mean I think everyone comes across that at some point because mm. there's usually you know young people are like you know they want to be adventurous they want to try new things they want to explore the world mm. and of course parents have been through all that and I I get their where they're coming from because. You know, they've been through life already mm. and they've realized, you know what, the safe, comfortable option is a damn good option. Mm. You know, it saves you a lot of heartache, mm-hmm. a lot of uncertainty, mm-hmm. a lot of fear, mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety. So I kind of I get where they're coming from. But at the end of the day, you have to make up your own mind. Right. Yep. And, and, and while I, I respect, you know, the opinion of people that are older that have gone through things. They're not going through the same world, mm. you know, and they're not the same people that we, we might be. So mm. I think it's always important to integrate that advice, but then ultimately make your own decision. Mm. But, of course, a lot of especially would-be entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs have had to or will need to, to, to confront that. And do you have any advice for how to deal with that parent question? Sure. Because I think it's really common, yep. what you just described. Um, should I answer the question about the, what you need to be successful in China first? Or? No, let's go parent okay. first. Okay, okay. Go. So... Uh, the uh, question. Can you repeat the question again? So, well, like yeah. just in dealing yeah. with, like you mm-hmm. said, your your father was like, yeah. "Don't be an okay. idiot," mm-hmm. you know, do this, and your mom was like, "You know, yeah. why not? Give it a try." I support you, and yeah. th- I think, like you said, those are the. That's the. I think, if I had advice for parents, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. that's what I would suggest to them because the love and support that they give really backs up your own, you know, mm-hmm. idea of what you can do and what mm-hmm. you can become, yeah, right? Because yeah. everyone's so doubtful. Everyone's yeah. uncertain. Like, can I? Can't I? Will yeah, I be successful? Yeah. Won't I? And just knowing that your parents have your back, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, you know what? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I think you're capable of it. Yeah. Go for it. And if, it, if you mess up, we're here for you yeah. and you'll be fine. You yeah. Know? Well, I think uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of people's Think thoughts about how their kids should live or things like that is influenced a lot by what you said, their own experiences. Right, right. So for my parents, they took quite a lot of risk when they immigrated from China, uh, from uh, Korea to the United States. Mm-hmm. And basically, my father went from being a professor in Korea to being a shrewd repairman in, in the U.S. Yeah. So to him, that risk was worth it for a better opportunity for his kids. Yeah. But in terms of uh, you know, better opportunity for his career, not at all, right? right. So, so um, I, I think that's sort of how he sort of saw my situation, where 
uh, I would be immigrating essentially to a foreign country. Uh, and yes, there's a, it's a land of opportunity and a lot of things, but uh, he thought it would be kind of a similar situation to him. Right. And what I think he failed to realize was that because of the sacrifices he made, and I was in a very different situation with a uh, different type of education and uh, in some ways a much better uh, chance to succeed, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, so I think for parents and, and um, you know, what I would say to parents is definitely uh, for, for kids, I think that support um, and that nurturing sort of an encouragement is uh, everything. Yeah. You know? And without my mom uh, having raised me like that and then having said that finally, I wouldn't be here today. Right? Yeah. So I, I think that's very important. And from the kids' perspective, I think, uh, it, you know, at, at the end of the day, yes, it's great to respect your parents and, and you know, do uh, some things as they uh, want you to. But at the end of the day, you have to, you have to cross the line from being your parents' son or parents' daughter right. to being your own person. Yeah. And that sometimes is a jump that some people can't make ever. And mm -hmm. then for some people, it comes very early and then for others you know different yeah. times right yeah i agree totally yeah, yeah. um so having having said that yeah. so about op, about being successful in the china mm -hmm. landscape yeah you know what what kind of advice do you have to entrepreneurs that are thinking about sure. coming over and do it ha, taking a similar journey that yeah. you have so so i think um the first step i mean all practical things side of course you got to learn the language right mm -hmm. so you got to be able to speak the language in order speak and understand the language in order not to get tricked and and know what you know how to navigate and communicate with people that's uh, the obvious one and did you learn when you showed up yes. or did you study I learned it all when before, I, huh? I i learned when i showed up right how'd you learn <laughs> uh just through like hiring employees and then i had some part-time teachers here and there right. and then i think um, yeah, just survival, I suppose. You had to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I would say another very important thing is, you know, what, what a funny thing that I've noticed is a lot of foreigners, expats come to China. They have a very anti-China attitude is mm -hmm. what I like to call it, where they basically complain about, oh, China's, you know, this or China is that. And what, what I always like to tell people and, and um, you know, and I think this is a very important lesson for entrepreneurs who want to come to China is you need to learn the culture. Mm -hmm. You need to become Chinese. Otherwise, you need to leave. Yeah, you'll do your head in. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, so uh, I think it's true of any country you go to. If you immigrate to the United States, you don't speak English and you don't mm -hmm. learn the culture and, and learn how to do business with the people there. Mm -hmm. You're never going to make it. Right. right so right. it's the exact same thing here. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great advice, yeah. and it is so prevalent that mm -hmm. kind of attitude. Yep. And and I guess if you're not an uh, an entrepreneur, if you're just on your two year assignment, mm -hmm. it, it it works here, and you're you're isolated in your position or whatever. But right. there's more and more young people coming over here because they want that adventure, they smell the opportunity, they want something different. I think it's great advice that even though on a daily basis you're going to come across things that really mm. get on your nerves and mm -hmm. that you think, well, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I think it and I think it is really good advice to just try to reframe that in mm. some way mm. that you just accept it and operate within it and don't yeah. let it like throw you off your course. Yeah. Right? So, so we have a funny saying. So every time, I mean, even now, like sometimes uh, we have these, what the kind of, <laughs> what the kind of, of moments, right? Of so every time we come across those, uh, me and some colleagues here and, and, and my brother, we just say to each other, TIC, this, this is China. Is China. <laughs> yeah. Common saying yeah, yeah. entrepreneurs <laughs> especially. Right. Um, so we're winding down to the end of the show now, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, 
education. You know, mm-hmm. it's certainly an area that I'm really passionate about, uh, and I think a lot of other people are as well. And with the advent of, of course, the internet and smartphones and just mobile technology and the free flow of information everywhere, I think education is is certainly an industry rife or, or ripe for disruption mm-hmm. in the next five, ten, mm-hmm. fifteen years. So, being so close to it as you are, I know, you know. What, what do you see coming down mm-hmm, the pike mm-hmm. in terms of education? Not only necessarily in college prep and stuff like that, but just yeah. education generally. What's the landscape sure. look like? So I, I think, uh, in my opinion, I, I feel that a lot of people have um, tried to approach the disruption of education in sort of the wrong way, which I think you know, in, in a lot of industries, yes, like going completely online or the Internet has changed everything. Mm-hmm. And I believe in education, the Internet is also going to um, you know help, help change education for the better. Uh, however, I think a key difference is that in the education sector, you still need that offline sort of uh, presence or offline sort of human touch element, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that a blended sort of element where technology is an enabler or a, a helping make education more effective or more efficient can work very well, mm-hmm. but as a standalone where you move everything from offline to online completely, I think that's we're very far from that ever working for mm-hmm. you know. And I'll give you an example. So there's a uh, online university called Minerva Project, right, uh-huh. which is becoming quite uh, famous now. Um, and uh, this guy, entrepreneur uh, Ben Nelson, uh, started a university, an online university, to sort of uh, his vision is to be. Uh, better than Harvard, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one thing he's done well is that he, although they have an online university that delivers the courses, but there's a lot of offline interaction of giving people um, experiences and opportunities that they wouldn't get to have if they were at a traditional college or university. Mm-hmm. So I think that sort of like blended type of method uh, is what works, mm-hmm. and I think that's what sort of um, you know education technology should be focused on. Yeah. Yeah. And at, at New Pathway, you guys have integrated some, some form of o, O2O platform or yes. technology as well, right? Correct. Do correct. you want to describe yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, I would say there is uh, basically the technology uh, is for, is for uh, you know, kind of three different, um, uh, three different uh, people to use. So there's the uh, students, obviously, right? Students can do all of their homework, um, all of their review of their exams, all of their um, adaptive concept quizzes, which basically the system will automatically learn the students' weaknesses based on concepts that they have to learn for a specific test and Mm -hmm. automatically generate quizzes they can do. And and all of this can be done either on their mobile device uh, on their way uh, to and from school or to and from the academy or um, on the web. Mm -hmm. Uh, For parents, I think uh, the... Technology is should always be used as a method to, especially I find a lot of Asian parents want to know everything about their kid, right? So to track their students' progress, mm-hmm. and you know, parents always want to know what can he, what, what can they do to help their child, right? A lot of times it's very difficult, if, especially if they haven't gone through that same process. What can I do to help my child? Mm-hmm. So our technology basically helps parents figure out what they should do in order to help their son or daughter. And then third, uh, and um, you know, very importantly, is uh, we actually, I, I believe that for in order to standardize the teaching experience and to make uh, teachers do their job better, you need to provide them as much data as possible about the classroom, both not only you know, after the fact data about you know, how students have progressed, but actually live 
uh, data that you can use in the classroom to um, basically tailor your lesson. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, basically our technology tries to address all of those issues. Mm -hmm. So what, you know, you're, how old did you say you're 30? 32. 32, mm -hmm. right? So you've, you've, interesting entrepreneurial story. Mm -hmm. You, you founded a company, you were met with some early success and now you've, you've taken a key position within the company that acquired your company, right? So two questions. First, what is the future for EIC as mm -hmm. a company? Mm -hmm. But then the one that I'm more interested in is what does it feel like now having come from founder, you know, from immigrant founder, let's mm -hmm. say, you know, you, you, right off the plane, what the hell am I going to do? Founding company to getting, having been met with success and being in the position you are now, mm -hmm. what, where is your, your mindset at? What, what, could, what continues to motivate you? Sure. So um, in terms of the first question, so for EIC as a company, uh, you know, our vision is to be the most trusted partner for international education in China. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, offices in 22 cities in China, three in Australia, two in the United States, and one in Canada. And we not only want to serve Chinese students here locally uh, and Chinese students who have gone abroad, but also local students in other countries. So we'd like to become a truly international education company serving the needs of students everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, uh, I would say, um, kind of our vision and goal for the next, you know, however Big many years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, for myself, um, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people have come and asked me and said, oh, so are you going to retire now? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think the truth is that, you know, I'm even more motivated in some ways than before mm -hmm. because you know, I, I think the way I see things or the way I see opportunities and how I can approach those and, and take the next steps have uh, changed completely. You know, mm -hmm. I think um, once you have the network, right, the relationships, and once you have uh, the financial, uh, you know, backing. Um, and then once you have the experience and know-how the six past six years, the most valuable thing I've learned is the, you know, all of the problems I encountered and being able to having, having solved them successfully, I think have, uh, changed my outlook on everything mm -hmm. essentially. So, uh, for the next steps, uh, certainly I'm very interested still in growing with this company, but also I, I'm interested in two specific things. One is, uh, you know, I, I still see some opportunities around, um, you know, different sectors that mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I've been exploring. So either I'll invest or back other entrepreneurs in the space. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, you know, the other area that I'm very, very interested in is, you know, we are in the education sector. And, and uh, one thing that I am very excited, I'm actually very excited to do this, uh, to this podcast is uh, basically there's a lot of entrepreneurs who have already become relatively successful in other countries mm -hmm. that want to come to China. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of startup, like early stage entrepreneurs that want to come to China. Mm -hmm. So I want to help these people through my experience and actually help them come to China, build up the local team, find local investors or local partners that can help them mm -hmm. and help those guys become successful. Yeah. And I think if you look at a lot of, um, you know, you see a lot of big Chinese companies now investing overseas. One thing that I would actually like to advise people on is a lot of these companies, when they do invest overseas, it's not for the purpose of helping those entrepreneurs or those companies come to China. Mm -hmm. It's for the purpose of taking what's good and bringing it here on right, their own. Right. And, and that's, I would say, 90 plus percent of the cases it's that way. Mm -hmm. So I think I would like to uh, kind of shift that paradigm. And I, I think there's a lot of 
industries or sectors where um, other uh, entrepreneurs or companies in other countries are already doing things much better than uh, here. Mm -hmm. So I think bringing those and helping those guys uh, actually land safely and become successful, that's what I really want to do. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's something you could get a lot of government support from because mm -hmm. I know they're very interested in, in attracting top talent from around the world now and Correct. getting them to do cool Correct, things yeah. here. But I think, it's, I think that's a really interesting perspective because you do hear that a lot. You know, when someone either IPOs or is invested by a company mm -hmm. or is taken over, acquired, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. you know, their friends or, or people around them will be like, oh, retire, party time, <laughs> you know? But, but all the conversations I've had with people mm -hmm. like that, it's like, well, how could I retire? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, I've got the experience, I've got the networks, yeah. I've got the capital, yeah. I've proven maybe most importantly to myself yes. that I can do these things. Yeah. Now it's just a world of opportunity, right? That's it's like right. I, I don't have enough time yeah. to do all the things that I want to do, right? That's right. That's but it's a, it's a really interesting, I guess, shift in mindset mm -hmm. because prior to that, you think, well, I'm doing all this, this work so I can have X. Yeah. When, you know, really maybe it's, maybe, maybe that's what gets you through the initial phase. Mm. But as it turns out, you're doing all this work so you can have even more, capability to do more, better, more interesting work in That's the future, right? right? That's right, yeah. And, and I, I did, you know, I, I do spend quite a lot of time uh, reading books of other, uh, you know, very successful entrepreneurs. And, you know, one of the key takeaway messages that, that I find very interesting, um, you know, I, I recently read Elon Musk's book and, and I, I thought it was, was very interesting. of him as well, yeah. yeah. Um, is, you know, first, all entrepreneurs first must make their first pot of gold, right? You got, you got to have some capital mm -hmm. to take care of your life, right? Your personal life needs to be taken care of from a financial perspective. Mm -hmm. Once you've done that, then you can really focus on solving some of the world's biggest problems or challenges and doing something very innovative. Yeah. But the problem that a lot of entrepreneurs come across is they start with trying to tackle the biggest problems or the biggest industries uh, without that experience, know-how, or money, and, and that's right. why it's very difficult. And, and that's a great point, and maybe they even get dragged down mm. by the personal life issues that come up, right? Because if you have that financial pressure mm. and stress and whatever, it's going to be really hard to direct all your attention toward changing the world, right? right, right. But what I find, found interesting about Musk in particular is that if, you know most people know the story of the companies he's been involved in, but as far as I know and what I've read about him, you know, he, he's been willing to risk it all on several occasions, mm. you know, and that's like, and, and maybe it's because he did have, you know, that rainy day mm -hmm. fund for no matter what happens, I've got a few million dollars yeah. that I could just survive on, mm -hmm. right? And my family would be okay. But it's just amazing to me that that, that entrepreneurial spirit, mm -hmm. and more importantly, that mindset of, you know, screw it, let's do it. I, I, I think I can do this <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. going to work my ass Confidence, off to do it. Right, yeah. And he has to put, you know, mm. he like, I just think of him making the bet on maybe SpaceX when mm. I think in 2008 when yeah. they were really in, in trouble. He, and he had to put his, his own money up. Mm. And I think all the PayPal money that he made, I think he had to put a lot of yeah, that into yeah. it. And it's like, man, you know, <laughs> you make, you, you're so successful. You yeah. one in a million shot, you make all that money. Yeah. And then you, you, you're, again, you're just like, no, I'm I'm going for it. I'm yeah. all in. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's amazing. I it think is amazing. at that yeah. moment that you make that decision is kind of the moment where success is like the probability of success is increased because making of the making of that decision is really the important yeah. part. I think. I agree. I agree. Um, Sam, I know you're yeah. tight on time. I yeah. got to let you go. There's only one more thing I want to ask you. You sure. touched on before on on some advice that you might give to entrepreneurs that are coming to China. I want to just do a quick word association with you, if I can, just mm -hmm. for a little fun. Mm -hmm. You ready? 
All right. So what, what word association meaning? You say a word. I'll say a word. Yeah. You give me one word response. Okay. One word response. Okay. Yeah. All right. Jack Ma. Successful. Innovation. Uh, important. Uncertainty. Scary. Money. Good. <laughs> Leadership. Um, difficult. Entrepreneurship. Stressful. Future. Happy. Awesome. So, Sam, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Where can people uh, reach out to you or New Pathway or if um, they want to get in yeah, touch I mean, with you guys? Uh, I could, should I leave my yeah, email, email or, web okay, or sure. URL or yeah, something like my that? My email is uh, Sam Huang, H-W-A-N-G, mm-hmm. at E-I-C education.com. Okay. And for people that want to reach out to EIC, maybe looking to become mm-hmm. part of the team or something like that, yeah. is there just go to the website? Uh, actually, you could just email me. Email you. Be, yeah, happy okay. to yeah, cool. connect them. Yeah. Awesome. And we are Tech in Shanghai. You can get at us at techinshanghai.com or Tech in Shanghai on Twitter, forward slash Tech in Shanghai. And we will see you all next time. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Tech in Shanghai podcast. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Tech in Shanghai for everything tech from Shanghai and China. See you next time.